0: of fighting for the so-called greater good
1: are over. This is our chance to control the truth, the concepts of right and wrong for everyone for centuries to come. You're fighting to save an ideal that doesn't exist. Never did. You need to pick a side.
2: Welcome to the Strange Carvers Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. Today we are talking about my most anticipated movie of the year, and maybe you guys too, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. What a mouthful. The seventh installment of the Mission Impossible franchise, it is the third film in the series directed by filmmaker Christopher McQuarrie after 2015's Rogue Nation and 2018's Fallout. The movie stars the president of movies himself, Tom Cruise, along with franchise mainstays Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, Rebecca Ferguson, and Vanessa Kirby. It also features a blast from the past with Henry Cherney returning as Eugene Kittredge from the first movie. And new faces include Isai Morales, Pom Clementiev, and Shay Wiggum. So, yeah, it's finally here. We've been waiting to do this episode forever. We've never done a Mission Impossible episode before. I think it is probably my favorite franchise, I would say. I don't know about you guys, but... I've been looking forward to this for a really long time.
1: Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. Really love the Mission Impossible series. We've talked about this, I think, a little bit, that it's like the Fast and the Furious series where there's a part in the middle where all of a sudden the series shifts for the better.
0: I don't think that's going to be the first Fast and the Furious comparison on this episode, so we'll (laughs) table that. I agree with you guys. I think this is one of the best action franchises that we have going so far. I think you'll hear this more than once. I love all the movies – in this franchise, some more than others, but the weakest of this is still probably better than most of The Fast and the Furious, right?
1: Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or even, like, I don't know, some of, like, the weaker Bond movies, probably, right? Absolutely, yeah.
2: Yeah, there isn't a single bad one in the series, and, you know, I think it's funny because it started off as this series that had different directors attached to each one bringing their own unique flavor. You know, the first was this paranoia thriller with, Brian De Palma at the wheel. And then number two was a John Woo action movie through and through. And then number three was probably the beginning of the modern era with J.J. Abrams taking over. That's his
1: film debut, right?
2: Yeah, that's his feature film Directorial debut. debut. Directorial debut. He'd done a lot of TV before then. But then, you know, four
1: was Brad Bird. That's his live action movie debut, right? He was known for animated film before that. Mission Impossible, popping a lot of cherries. I want
2: to say that Brad Bird probably ushered in this new era of Mission Impossible flavor that Christopher McQuarrie took over with 5, 6, and 7, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think they've just gotten better and better and better. Like you said, Derek, there's not a single bad one of the bunch. So I want to do a ranking. Let's do a ranking without 7, and then we'll talk about the movie And then we'll see where Dead Reckoning slots in within our rankings. What are your rankings of the Mission Impossible movies? Who wants to start? Uh,
1: Sorry, I'm trying to write it down. Why don't you go with me? (laughs) All right, I have mine. So I think mine's going to be a little different from a lot of people's. So I'm going to go from the bottom up. So worst one. Oh, worst one?
2: Okay, all right, fine.
1: I'll go from worst up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think two is the worst one. And a lot of people are going to say three. I don't like the John Woo-ness of that second one as much as a lot of people do. It's not my favorite one. I think it really survives based on Tandy Newton being very hot. That's like kind of what the movie is about. (laughs) And like, you know, she does admirably there. And there's some fun mask stuff there with Tom Cruise pretending to be the antagonist and vice versa. And, you know, he has the antagonist in the end kill his own henchmen and, you know, some fun stuff. But the big set piece is a little meh. You know, like dropping into the air ducts or whatever. Mm. Um, The knife is impressive, but like still overall kind of just okay. So I think two is my least favorite. After that, there's 3, which I think is most people's least favorite movie. I like that a little bit more than 3. I remember watching it. I just did a rewatch. And I remember as I was watching 3, I was like, wow, this is so much more fun than 2. I enjoy Philip Seymour Hoffman a lot. I like the bombs implanted in the brain stuff. I think that's cool. I've always enjoyed the little party scene with Tom Cruise pretending to be normal and lip-reading people. I always thought that was fun. I like Kerry Russell as eager trainee of his who dies. Lawrence Fishburne, fucking great. Do you guys remember Lawrence Fishburne? Isn't these movies he's great he is great the introduction of benji benji's in mi3 yeah the vatican rules the vatican sequence rules mackie q stepping out of that car looking fire all the mask stuff the voice upload with philip seymour hoffman in the bathroom it is so good the kind of second big action set piece like the shanghai roof swinging thing is kind of just okay But I think the Vatican rules. And I think that's actually, like, a theme a lot of times with these movies. Like, that middle action set piece is really, really good. And then the end one is kind of a little bit less strong. That goes for a lot of these. But I really like the Vatican. And uh, I think MI3 is actually a lot of fun. Next is Four. Four has probably the single best, like, action set piece, which is the Burj Khalifa climbing thing. That, in combination with the mask spy, we have to have two separate rooms and pretend the two antagonists are they're meeting each other when they're actually both meeting like the mass duplicates on our team stuff that stuff is great the Burj Khalifa rocks
2: yeah those two back-to-back is genius stuff it's the best It's incredible
1: it's like some of the best spy crafty stuff ever it's so fun yeah
2: don't disagree the
1: problem is the rest of the movie isn't that great? <laughs> same i agree i like the little kremlin eye tracking software thing is that that movie that's that movie, Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Kremlin eye tracking That's thing super is really fun cool. Like, the screen, that one's really fun. But India's kind of weak. Like, the rest of the movie doesn't live up to the heights of that middle set piece, which is so, so freaking good. Okay, I'll keep moving here. Next is one. Going back and watching the first Mission Impossible, it's really good. And uh, like you said, the Brian De Palma, like slower spy thriller type of thing it's a different genre than the other movies for sure Mm -hmm. like than all of them is very different from any of the others the other six but it's genuinely thrilling there's a lot of this twisty turny espionage betrayals and double crosses and you know people getting like shot in european cities and blown up by car bombs and it's very down to earth compared to what the series became obviously like the opening double cross is really cool the cia sequence is Iconic and incredible. It's still incredible now. That sequence is still so good. There's so much tension just with even a single bead of sweat dripping off of Tom Cruise's head. It's yeah. so good. One's incredible. The only knock against one is the train action sequence in the end. Kinda sucks. What? No, it doesn't. It's not good. Uh, it it's not that good.
2: Still pretty good. I still think it looks pretty good. It looks like it's coming from a completely different movie. It does not totally fit in with no, the rest it of the movie. I, I don't say. like
1: it. I don't like We're it. Kind of funny, but uh, I'll take it. I'll. Ah, no, I don't like the train. I don't like the train and the helicopter. I don't. The rest of it is so good, and I just, I don't like that ending. That's the only reason it's not higher, because one is super good. One's incredible.
2: I'm curious because, you know, Seven does have like a big callback to the train down it does. to yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the beats of that train segment, but we'll talk
1: about that later. We will talk about that. Yeah. Okay, um- so that's one. The next one, this is also, I think, going to be a little different from you guys. I think the second best movie in the series is six. I really, Mm, really like Fallout. Fallout's incredible. The fake hospital room in the beginning is great with Niles Delbrook to get the info out of him. Cavill and Angela Bassett are great uh, antagonists. Love the White Widow. She's just like a fun character. John Lark. Of course, Henry Cavill reloading his arms in the bathroom is iconic, right? That's so much fun. Ilse's back, which is great. But I don't think it's as balls to the wall as five. And so I'll skip to five, which I think is actually the best one. Everyone's going to say six is the best. But I think five is the best because from starting that movie all the way through to where they switch to London, that movie does not stop for a second. Mm. Between, like, Tom Cruise having to run – And get into the plane from the outside, the record shop, meeting Ilsa and taking out those goons, Brant and Alec Baldwin, Benji's playing video games, the opera, the backup bomb, the skiff sequence, the Morocco chase, boom, 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 boom. The movie does not pause for the first, like, hour and a half. It's incredible. It's such a great run. Like, it is the most concentrated Mission Impossible goodness you get in these series. It's like an incredible run. And then it starts to get a little slower. Towards the end after you switch to London. But even then there's some great stuff in London. The Atley mask stuff is super fun. The whole fight where they can't kill Ethan because he has the codes memorized, so they're not allowed to shoot at him. And so like he and Ilsa use that to their advantage. That's a great fight sequence. Yeah. The fight with the bone doctor's great. The glass box is a great ending. Yeah, it's incredible. I think five is just super, super good. All respect to six. I know you guys are gonna argue for it, but five is so fucking good. I think it's five. I think
2: I am slowly getting five pilled here. <laughs> Yeah, let's go, because dude. Five, is, five good. is
1: so incredible. The skiff is just such an incredible action sequence, too. People sleep on the skiff. I think dropping into that water is just
0: insane. You did a very thorough <laughs> breakdown of all the movies, which is great. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I agree with you. Number two is I yes. think my least favorite. You know, I kind of mentioned that no, no movie in this franchise is terrible. For a long time, this was close to that. I really. Didn't like 2, but I've grown to appreciate some of the finer details in 2. I know, Jeff, I'm not going to take your thunder. You're going to mention something about 2 that I know is probably one of your favorite things in like all of the MI franchise, so uh, I won't take that. But there are things about 2 that are great. Number 3 is my next one, and it's pretty low on this list, but it's also, I think, woefully underrated. Agreed. I think it has one of, if not the best villain, and honestly, I don't think people realize this is the only movie that I think gives Ethan real stakes, personal stakes, other than six, but I think you need this one to establish six, right? Sure, sure, sure. So this is a little bit different than your list, Amir. The next two slots are kind of interchangeable. I kind of flip-flop a lot when I think about these next two slots, but I think today my number four pick would be number one. Okay. A lot of what you said still stands. This is a great spy thriller, but the way this franchise has evolved, I just have liked what it has evolved into more than that first movie. It's totally fair. Yeah. And then the next one is for the start of this resurgence of this franchise. Honestly, I love, again, you mentioned a lot of the set pieces. I don't disagree with any of that. And you might be surprised to hear this, Amir, but my number two at the moment would be Fallout. Wow. It probably has some of the best action sequences in the franchise. I think about him free-falling out of the plane. Uh, I think about him flying the helicopter, right? Yeah, the helicopter's great. Where Tom Cruise walked with the helicopter so that he could fly in the jets in Top Gun, right? (laughs) It's like this kind of progression of his career. I agree. Like, I think uh, Henry Cavill is great. I think that fight scene in the bathroom is amazing. He is also a really strong villain for this series. But honestly, my favorite movie is number five. Like, I think the opera sequence is my favorite sequence in all of MI.
2: It's um, I think so it's, good. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I
0: think that this cat and mouse thing, but then there's like hand hand And I don't know if people don't remember. Ilsa Faust was a character where, like, when you first meet her, you don't really know if you can trust her, like, what side she's on, and this opera sequence really plays on that too. Honestly, it's my favorite, but then also the chase through the city on the motorcycle, the sequence where they have to, like, dive and hold his breath was amazing, you know what I mean? Like, I love this movie, and that's why it's my favorite MI movie.
1: Hell yes, dude. Awesome. Alright, Jeff, let's I'm fucking
2: fully five-pilled now because, like, you guys have convinced <laughs> <laughs> yes. me that... Because I have been thinking about five a lot because I recently rewatched it and it is so fucking good. So I'm just going to say, I think you guys have made a lot of good points. I won't like belabor too many things that we've already mentioned, but worst to best, three, two, four. Originally it was five, but now it's one and then five and then six. I still think six is the best, not including okay. taking the new one into consideration on any of these rankings, but six is still the best. Five is right after. I think the propulsiveness of Six... I originally thought that Five, at the end, suffered a little bit like Ghost Protocol, where after the Skiff and the Morocco chase, it kind of fell off a little bit. But the stuff in London, and then Ethan memorizing the code, and then the box sequence getting Lane, it has grown on me. I think that is really, really good. It's not quite the letdown that Four was, I think, with the India stuff. You know, five is really, really fucking good. And Derek, like you said, oh my god, the opera sequence, probably like top two sequences in Mission Impossible. I think the Joel Kramer score is fucking phenomenal. You know, it introduces Ilsa, Ethan, and Ilsa have already met, but then using Terendo's Ness and Dorma as Ilsa's theme throughout the whole yeah. movie is so fucking genius. It's so good. Five is really good, but six I think is oh, all the stuff in six is too. I know Joe Kramer doesn't do the score anymore, but Lauren Balf is really fucking good too. The whole exchange with solomon lane i think it just ends on a really strong note the hand-to-hand fighting and then it does the whole fucking troll move where it, it makes you think that the nuke went off but it's just the sun in ethan's eyes it's so fucking funny <laughs> like i couldn't believe that you know for a second like oh shit they actually blew everyone up you know but nah man ethan's not gonna let that happen bringing michelle Monahan back for that one too oh man i love Six so much Okay, Owen Davian or August Walker? Who's the better villain?
1: Um,
2: That's
1: (laughs) tough. Oh, man. I might go Owen Davian. I don't know. I love Walker, too. Walker's great. He's such a dickhead.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like After
1: the Halo jump into Paris, Ethan saves his life with the oxygen. He's like, hey, looks like you lost your oxygen. What a dickhead. (laughs) Dude, I just saved your life, you fucking dickhead.
2: (laughs) I think Owen Davian is the better villain, but... Walker and Hunt have better antagonistic chemistry. chemistry. Yeah,
1: yeah, because they mm-hmm. work together for the first like half of the movie or whatever. And, it's, and they it's still hate fun. each other, which is so funny. I love that. Yeah, even yeah. as they're working together, they hate each other. It's great. Yeah. 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 No, but Davian is – yeah, Davian with his implanting the bomb. Like, I'm going to kill you in front of your wife and she's going to be screaming your name. There's nothing you can do about it. He's – yeah, he's a much evil or malicious asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like less physically scary, right? Because August yeah, Walker yeah. is reloading his fucking arms like guns, this is scary motherfucker. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention this when we talked about three, but like that cold open, I think is yeah amazing. Where his wife's just sitting there and like with the gun to her head, you don't really know what's going on. I think it's a great, great opening. From that cold open, I was like,
1: I'm in. Like
0: this is great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. JJ Abrams loves it. Ah, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so seven. Dead Reckoning, part one. What did you guys think of this one? How was your theater experiences?
1: Uh, So the theater experience was just okay. I went middle of the day on Wednesday, so it wasn't very full. People weren't like super hype. And the other thing is I was like running Severance before, and so I got there late, so I missed just a touch of that starting Sevastopol sequence. So overall, not like the best theater experience of my life, but that didn't dampen my excitement, and I think my like anticipation was rewarded because I thought this one was great. This one's really, really good. Um, What about you guys?
0: I really had a good time. I think, you know, I had a pretty packed theater and I saw like a Tuesday screening even before the Wednesday opening. I was Mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised how many people were there and everyone seemed to be really into it, really liking it. And so, yeah, it just made my experience even better.
2: Yeah. Engaged audience is the best. I went to like the, I don't know what it's called, like the Walmart fan event or whatever, like two days before the open. I didn't go to a press screening for this, so I just bought a ticket for this fan event and I went... Packed theater, everyone was super into it, hooting, hollering. Probably one of the better theater experiences of this year for me, actually. People were super into the stunts, some big moments, got some cheers. A lot of people going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, you know, Tom Cruise doing real stunts the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, just classic... Mission Impossible fun at the theaters. There's nothing like going to a Mission Impossible movie at the theaters, especially with a good crowd. So this one was not any different and I really like this one too. It's hard to place where it would land in the rankings but I think we'll do that later.
1: I'll just say real quick, wish I had your crowd, but I did go with my dad so that was fun. That was cool. Shout out to dad. Okay, nice, nice. I'm sure he's going to listen to this one so shout out to dad. Alright, that's it. You want to do a little plot synopsis, Jeff?
2: Yeah, so we'll do a little plot synopsis. So the thing about The Mission Impossible movies that I like, even with the Christopher McQuarrie ones, is that you don't really have to know too much about the past installments. They're loosely connected. There's some light mythology and lore and returning characters and stuff, but you don't necessarily have to know all of it to have a good time. And this is the same thing. New Antagonist. So this one has the IMF team, and they are pitted against a new enemy. It is a rogue artificial intelligence that has gained sentience, and it is sowing chaos on the world's political stage. They're infiltrating governments, sowing misinformation, just creating all this kind of chaos. And the thing I like the most about this movie is that it is probably the most overt, you know, turning the subtext of Tom Cruise as the last analog action hero into Text, You know, turning that subtext into text, pushing that to the surface, you know, railing against automation and digital trickery in favor of practical stunt work and all the stuff he's doing for action movies and movies in general. I think the movie realizes that, you know, having an algorithm as your main adversary is kind of lame, so they include isai morales as i don't know what would you call he's like the herald of the entity right yeah 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 (laughs) so he's like the spokesperson for the entity and you know since this is like a part one we don't really get too much into what the entity's motivation is and i think a lot of people will view that as a weakness i think people will think isai morales is kind of undercooked but I think that's the case with a lot of the villains in the series. Owen Davian and Walker are kind of they're outliers. stand up for not being weak. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Those aren't the main draws for these movies. None of these guys is supposed to be the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still going to get more meat from part two, I think. And, you know, there's still a completed arc within this movie, even though it's a part one. And this didn't bug me as much as... Fast X or Across the Spider-Verse did in terms of, you know, cutting it off at the part one
1: end. No, this was definitely the best of the three in terms of, like, having a nice cutoff spot and, like, a satisfying movie experience and feeling like you got most of the first half of a story and, like, having a fun action movie experience and you don't even necessarily have to go see the second one. Like, I don't know. Like, it's fine. Like, you don't feel cheated in any way. I agree with you yeah
0: oh i gotta disagree i think i still put spider-verse above this when it came to feeling satisfied by the end interesting um, it's also because i just think the last I- i'm gonna say it now maybe i think the last action set piece is a little weak in my mind uh what? this movie yeah the train uh are we yeah. talking about
2: the train? Get the fuck yeah, out, we're out about here, the Derek, no. no way. I'm sorry.
0: Did we just talk about our theater expenses, or are we talking about what we thought about this movie? No, no. no. You were in the
1: middle of a plot synopsis, Chef. I don't think you even finished.
2: I mean, the IMF, as usual, they're on the lam, right? So mm. once again, they've been disavowed. And then this time, you know, Henry Cherney is back as Kittridge. Always like seeing him back. They bring in a lot of stock characters, but the way that they're played, I think, elevate them a lot. I think Hayley Atwell is fantastic as Grace, and I think Shea Wiggum as, you know, the government agent tasked with bringing in Ethan Hunt is a very thankless role, and it's a very cliched type of action movie heavy, but the way he plays that role is very, very funny. I think he's the funniest part of the movie. He's fantastic in that, too. Yeah, so basically, it's like a lot of these Mission Impossible movies are, it's... To string all these action set pieces together in a semi-coherent way. I want to say this is probably the weakest in a while in having like a through line that connects all these action set pieces together. But that's not the main attraction, right? So I forgive a lot when it comes to that.
0: I think you said the right word, forgive. Right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about the Mission Impossible movies, I say there's no bad film, but these are not like the best films of the year, right? I think a lot of them have flaws, even though how much I love them. And, Speak for you know, yourself, like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I am speaking for myself. Like, I think, you know, some of them, plot issues, character issues, each of them have flaws, right? Watching this franchise, it's a lot about how much you can forgive. And I hit a wall this time. There's a lot I could not forgive. In this movie. This is probably the weakest one since three. I think four, five, six are much better when it came to what McCory and Cruz do together. I like this movie, but didn't like the comedy. I think Ilsa is a character that's. I mean, I'll say it. It's fridged <laughs> like in the middle of this movie. And I'm starting to see the seams of the Tom Cruise persona is starting to open up a little bit more. And like this idea that he loves now to do movies where he fights against the studio slash streaming system. Those themes were very present in Top Gun Maverick. The villain of this movie is AI is here to be the most secret of secret operatives. Someone literally says that line like it's the best secret operative and anyone could think of it's basically ai trying to take his job that was very present
2: i like that about this movie though (laughs) no
0: i didn't i'm sorry it's too on the nose also i really did not like the fact that like tom cruise over the last 15 20 years of his career has like become very asexual and it's become i think a little bit of a hindrance in his movies we talked about top gun having that really really weird sex scene with jennifer connelly which was not even a sex scene, and then also this movie, like all of a sudden, Ilsa Faust is all over him, and I'm like, what is
1: going on here? This is trading stakes that I don't believe in. So this is something that I noticed too, and I noticed it even as far back as five, where mm-hmm. you know I like wrote down, I was like, do Ilsa and Ethan ever even make out? Like it's a weirdly chaste movie because she asks him to run away with her, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm these are adults you'd think that like two good-looking gorgeous hollywood actors you would think that i don't know them being in a romantic relationship would be part of the draw and you're right derek it's like not there i do think that the through line of them being romantic partners is there at least since five so it doesn't seem like it's out of nowhere for me in seven but i do think that the chasteness of it is weird and a hindrance i do agree with that part for sure
2: yeah i'm totally with you derek it is kind of weird I think 5 is okay, because you know, I think you could play it either way, where she says, oh, you know, run away with me. But then by the time 6 rolls around, and Ving Rames is like, oh, you're only one of two women that Ethan's ever cared about. And the other is his ex-wife. Right? Mm-hmm. And that just seems totally weird when they don't really share, like, any intimate scenes together or anything. And then now with Seven... Like, you're
1: supposed to assume that intimacy is there. Like, I think you're supposed to assume it's there. Yeah. Right? They don't do a good job of underlying
2: I gotta say, I think I'm with Derek. I think it's a Tom Cruise weirdness thing where... Yeah. He's just a very asexual action star now, and I don't know if he doesn't want to do it in these movies. It feels like it comes from him. I don't want to say that for sure because i just don't know but it feels like it's coming from him right especially in the seventh movie like i was gonna say like you said derek she's like all over him they share moments where they hold hands and you know she's hugging him like under the jacket when they're in venice in the sunset and they're sharing these like moments but there's no physical intimacy there's no kissing or like making out or like sex scenes or anything it's kind of odd i don't disagree with that I'm with you, Derek. I get you. <laughs> I get <ya. laughs> Yeah, i am um, on the same page with that. Yeah. I will say that I think this is probably... We're going to get all the criticisms out of the way first, right? I think okay. this sure, is probably the worst-looking movie since yes. 3. Christopher McQuarrie is doing something here. He's trying to go beyond the expert journeyman image that he's come up with himself four five and six but it doesn't quite come together here i think the transition to digital is awkward this is the first mission impossible movie that's shot on digital and you can tell a lot of stuff is kind of washed out the cgi is kind of wonky where it wasn't quite as bad before you know what i mean i think five and six look gorgeous especially five i think five is one of the best looking action movies maybe ever like that whole opera Mm -hmm. sequence looks phenomenal and then yeah. there's just something off about Seven where it's washed out and it just doesn't look as good. It's got to be the digital. And then, you know, they got Fraser Taggart as cinematographer. He did the cinematographer John Wick 2, which is one of the better John Wick movies, too. Like, the better-looking John Wick movies, too. So, I don't know what happened here. It doesn't look quite as good. But everything else hit for me, so I don't know what you guys have to say about how this movie looks,
0: I will say that this kind of goes with my statement earlier, and I think that's what really bothers me about the last action sequence. Some of the best parts of the sequence were just really hindered by how bad the CG looked. My favorite part of that train sequence is when they're actually in the tunnel. Those lights are whizzing by. Gabriel's trying to like swipe at Ethan, but it's just surrounded by the smoke of the train and it just looks so bad. Right, when there's just like the CGI smoke all around them. And then the sequence when they're trying to actually climb the train car at the end, you know, him and Haley Atwell's character, Grace, the backgrounds that they use, all the CG elements just like flying at them, I just think it looks so bad. So what? it really hurt my experience with that sequence too. Oh interesting. I didn't
2: think that stuff looked bad. I didn't think that stuff that looked bad yeah, at all. I think it looked I... bad
1: didn't like the top of the train stuff as much as I liked the in-the-train dodging stuff, climbing and jumping. That I actually really liked. I'm the opposite from you on that one, actually, completely. I really liked the very last ending sequence with the train mm-hmm. cars falling into the river. Yeah. But I didn't like the top of the train stuff that much.
0: Let me clarify. I don't really like the top of the train stuff either because of the CG. Like, I like what they were going for. But I think the execution of that is not great.
1: Oh, so you think the CG is bad in both parts? Of the oh,
0: yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Both those parts. Both those parts. I think it's actually worse on top of the train with all that smoke. But it also was very distracting for me, trying to
2: believe that they're actually realistically climbing up this train.
1: Oh, so it didn't bother like, me in the yeah, train. Yeah, it, it really was bothered the me. the on me. top of the train that really bugged me.
2: It's funny because they did the top of the train for real. With all that smoke? I don't think the smoke is real. I don't know why they included yeah, the smoke. Yeah, it's terrible. But <laughs> they <laughs> shot that for real. That didn't look quite great to me either. But all the inside of the train stuff rocks. So first of all, the whole third act is Haley Atwell's show, which I really kind of liked. And she acquitted herself very, very nicely in the third act until Ethan shows up at the end. And then the end, climbing up the train rocks. I love the train sequence at the end. Yeah, I think it's great. Where it flies off the rail. It's very Buster Keaton and cartoonish. And maybe you don't like that, Derek. But I thought it was very clever and very funny and very playful. And still very, very scary, because a lot of the stuff where, you know, Haley Atwell's grace, she has to, like, jump across the train when it's dangling, and then Ethan Hunt is like, do you trust me? And then she's like, "Mm mm-mm, you know? I thought that was really fucking (laughs) funny. That was just... I think the action firing on all cylinders, I really, really fucking love that.
1: I'm with you. I liked that last sequence a lot.
2: They do the little psych out. Palm Clemente's character actually
0: grabs Tom Cruise. Then you see the actual train falling, and you're like, wait, what? Did they fall all together? And then they're all just standing there already, like, in okay. the, the next car train. I thought that was funny.
2: Okay, first of all, Palm Clemente's reveal in the train sequence, biggest cheer out of the entire movie from the theater. Isn't that weird? Did Th- she,
0: like, save him?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I think everyone in my theater, including me, loved the Pom Clementi of character. Yeah. She's, like, this psycho-heavy. She's so fucking good with, like, minimal lines.
1: Yeah. You know? The silent assassin. It's weird because I completely agree. She's great as this almost silent, heavy, psycho, like violence loving. Everybody loved her in my theater too. And I loved her. I thought she was great. It's a little weird in the like, let's make the Asian woman a silent assassin with no lines. That's a A little little trumpy. I'm like, ooh, this is a little yikes. But it worked. I don't know. Everyone loved it. Yeah. And I did like that they lampshaded that she was going to betray Gabriel. That was gonna yeah, happen, yeah, yeah. and the movie definitely like put a pin in it and let you know that was gonna come back around. So I was waiting for it, and I still marked out when it happened. It was still I great. still
2: didn't see it coming. Oh, really? I did. I was. I like, knew that she would turn somehow, and I was like, okay, maybe it's in like part two or something. Because when the hand came out and grabbed grace and ethan to save them from the train i thought that was shea wiggum for sure right oh yeah. mm-hmm.
1: really because oh, no, they set that no whole thing in up we're like
2: you know ethan and grace are like oh we're deputizing you you gotta save all the people on the train and then him and his little sidekick they get imf pills or whatever right they're like on the yeah, imf right, yeah, team yeah, yeah. now helping all the civilians and helping ethan throughout this whole sequence that i totally forgot that you know, Pam Clementeve got stabbed by Gabriel, and he mentioned that you're gonna betray me. Mm-hmm. When it was her, everyone flipped out in the theater. I was like, "Yeah, she was so good. She's so good." And her outfits were incredible, by the way. I don't know what she's wearing. The masquerade, was a fucking, the marching band mime costume. Like, what a fucking <laughs> getup. She's so good in that.
0: Yeah. Can I mention one last thing I didn't like before we get into like all the things yeah. we did like, or do you want to? No, talk no. About go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. The last thing I really didn't like, and we've kind of already hit on this, is that I'm not a fan that this enemy is just AI. It's just like a predictive AI. Fucking Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan did this 15 years ago, right? Eagle Eye. And I mean, this movie's still better than that movie, but like, I was expecting more. And I think it's partially my comparing it to like the last couple movies. I love this kind of through line of the Sean Harris. What's his character's name? Solomon Lane. Solomon Lane and, like, the idea of the Syndicate, Rogue Nation that's going after them. Like, I thought that was such a cool idea. It's IMF versus the Syndicate to then go from that and then not have any kind of continuation. And it's just an AI on a
2: submarine.
0: I kind of agree. It's a step
2: down. I think the anti-IMF is such a cool idea. When they first (laughs) introduced the anti-IMF, the Syndicate, I thought they were going to do, like, Oh, every IMF team member has like a counterpart. A double fight. that, that would, be so would have so that would have been really cool. cool. You know, like that <laughs> bit in Shaun of the Dead where they walk past like yeah. their counterparts on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I thought that's what that was going to be. And they didn't do that either. And also another yeah. rehashy thing that this movie does is that, oh, you know, Solomon Lane's always thinking five steps ahead. It's like 40 chess. And it's kind of the same thing with this AI. Yeah. You know, so that's also kind of a rehash thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with saving stuff for part two, where we just don't know yet. Cause Gabriel himself is a little undercooked. We still don't know anything about his connection to Ethan's past. There's like this whole flashback yeah. that they do over and over again, where it's from before he's in the IMF, and Gabriel clearly killed someone that Ethan cared about. You know, but we don't know anything about that. I think I have to withhold judgment until we see parts one and two together. But I agree, it's undercooked. And then just to get all the criticism out of the way, the MacGuffin stuff with the keys is really silly. Oh, wow. It looks cool, though. I like it the looks look cool. of the keys. I like the look I like of the, the keys, of the too. Keys. But yeah. story wise, I don't think it actually makes sense. Because it would make sense if that key, which has like this whole MacGuffin put them together and they light up and it's super cool kind of aesthetic. That makes sense if it's the key to the AI. But that's not the key to the AI, right? It's the key to the core of the Sebastopol, the submarine in the cold open. So why would that be... Coding of the AI. Yeah. The Sebastopol has nothing to do with the AI. The AI infected the Sebastopol, right? It's not like...
1: No, I think the Sebastopol is like where like the root of the AI program was or whatever. So you have to get access to the Sebastopol in order to be able to insert the source code to either control or kill the AI. So the Sebastopol does have something to do with it.
2: My takeaway from the Sebastopol is that the Sebastopol had a state of the art stealth system. And then someone put like an early version of the entity in to sabotage the stealth system. And then the entity took over And made the Sebastopol destroy itself instead of just sabotage the stealth system. I don't think that key is actually for accessing the entity. They need to get into the stealth system to get, like, the early version of the entity, which is, like, the root source code of, like, the new version or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know.
0: It's just a way to defeat the entity, correct? Yeah. Well, for me, what doesn't make sense is that it's kind of my understanding. I think you guys are on the same page. Is that, like, the key equals being able to defeat the entity, correct? No, control the entity, right? Because that's the control whole thing. Control slash delete, whatever, right? Depending on whose side you're on, right? Yeah. Uh, Ethan wants to destroy it. Isn't it Every other government ultimately? wants to control. Yeah, control, delete, whatever. <laughs> My question is then, why doesn't the entity want to just straight up destroy it? Like, why doesn't it send Gabriel straight up anytime it has the key in its hand rather than try to get off the train, just destroy it the moment Gabriel has it in his hand? I don't get that. The AI is already sentient and able to function without this key, so all it needs to do is the second it has it in its possession, technically, through Gabriel, Gabriel just needs to destroy it. Right.
1: Um, and then nobody can control him at that point. Or kill it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Maybe Gabriel is acting in his own interest there. Maybe he's not Maybe, fully yeah. a completely loyal herald. I don't know. I do think you make a good point there. Like, I don't yeah. see why the entity would want the key to be around.
2: Yes. Yeah. I think we have to see part two to make sense of it. Yes. But all good points. All things I can overlook, I think, because the plot semantics are just whatever
1: in these movies. Why the MacGuffin exists. You don't even find out what the rabbit's foot does in three. Right? Yeah. That's how little the actual MacGuffin matters, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's a cool name, though. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to take logic
2: to these movies, if you're talking about the sixth one, Fallout, I'm pretty sure the Walker-John Lark stuff doesn't hold up at all, if you put it under any sort of microscope. Like, Mm -hmm. all the deception, and then Walker trying to frame Hunt, I don't think any of that probably works if you analyze it with any type of logic. So, I can forgive a lot when it comes to the plot holes in these movies. That's just not what these movies are about. And... A lot of the set pieces in Seven are really, really good. I can gloss over a lot of the silly stuff, you know. What are your favorite set pieces then, from Seven? I think the name? airport stuff is great. Airport's a lot of fun. The whole start of the Shea Wiggum pulling on people's faces to make sure they're not masks, dude. dude it's that's so like funny. some of the best meta jokes in this series. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, Luther's I little hat trickery
1: is fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making the you know cameras in the airport identify people as Ethan's. Ethan, uh, yeah, yeah. So that all the people chasing him are led around the airport on a wild goose chase. That was a lot of fun. I thought Haley Atwell's fun from like the first second as this master thief.
2: Yeah. So going back to the Luther thing, I know you don't like this whole AI thing, Derek, but I do like that they make it so that it kind of is straight up AI is evil and it's bad, but they kind of hang a lampshade on, like, you know, AI is convenient, and it does help you do things. Because I'm sure Luther's doing the deepfake stuff to make people look like Ethan, right? So that's clearly helping them in some way. And I think Mm -hmm. that helps, like, add a little murkiness to the argument and just say, like, oh, you know, AI does make your life easier, but, you know, sometimes you need real people to make real art. So I think that's a little hanging on the lampshade that I really liked. But anyway, yes, Haley Atwell is fantastic as Grace. Her chemistry with Tom Cruise is fantastic. I think it's kind of sad that revolving door of brunettes, you know, Rebecca Ferguson kind of on the sidelines. Haley Atwell's in the main female role in this one. But the Rome sequence is fantastic with a car where they handcuff handcuffed together and it's a supercharged yeah. Fiat. I fucking love that.
1: It's crazy how a little innovation just like Let's handcuff the two of them together completely like reinvigorates the chase sequence because we've seen chase sequences like this before in in MI movies, right? And this could be very similar to any of the chase sequences that or in something in the Bourne movies or like – you've seen this before, right? But just the idea that sometimes Tom Cruise can't be the one driving – completely yeah. elevates it to another level and makes it completely like, okay, this is a fresh twist on something I've seen before. I really loved it. It's such a simple thing, and, and it worked so well. I will
0: bring it up. Already this summer, we had a chase sequence through Rome. Right, yeah. In huh? another right. movie. We did. And it was not as successful as this one, right? Yeah, like, this one was-
2: Obviously. Th- I think- Yes. The fucking Fast X one is dumb as hell and silly and yes. a lot of fun, too. But this one, come on, blows it out of the water. First of all, they're doing it for real. Yeah. Tom Cruise and Hailey Wow are actually driving that thing. And then I think the comedy of errors with they don't know the power of, like, the Fiat and, like, how fast it can go and, like, the acceleration and stuff is hilarious. A lot of slapstick stuff. I heard on, like, the the behind-the-scenes where people were doing, like, the stunt driving, they go through the dailies, and if it's not Tom Cruise driving, if it's someone else driving, you see some guy in a green suit in the backseat of the car and he's actually driving the car. That's how they do the stunt driving. But then when you get the dailies with Tom Cruise, there's no stunt guy in the back. There's no green screen Mm. guy driving the car. He's actually doing all the driving. So, like, I think that makes all the difference for all these stunts. It's a tiny, tiny thing, but just seeing the glint of fear in Tom Cruise's eyes and, like, how much he hesitates doing some of these things, it makes it seem like it's real. And it is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's huge. That's huge in like selling the believability of these stunts for sure. And I think what's
0: really nice and simple about this chase sequence that makes it really feel a little bit new and feel a little bit different compared to other MI chases is that they put Haley Atwell at the seat of the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. With this untrained person that you know clearly does not know how to drive very well in this sequence. And like, you know, that goes in hand in hand with you talking about like the fear that Tom Cruise is potentially seeing in his eye, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that moment where I think the cars like are flipping over and it was like Tom Cruise that was in driver's seat. It switches like in the Haley Atlas. Yeah, like, the ones sitting happen? in the driver's seat. And they're like, what? <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, so that really funny. funny. That was really, really funny. Yeah. And like it forces her to be the driver in that moment. Even though they know full well that, like, she is not as good. And I thought that kind of comedy worked in that Mm -hmm. sequence. I will say I did not like the sex joke of it all. You know, when they first try to start the Fiat, and he's like, oh, my God, this never happens to me. And she's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we'll figure (laughs) it out. And I'm like, okay. I don't like this. But... I do like the rest of that Rome sequence. I do think it's very fun that, you know, when he's like, oh, I found a secret car, and he, like, goes towards the Lamborghini because he thinks it's that one. And then that Fiat comes out. I was like, okay, this is pretty funny. This is
2: good. (laughs) Yeah. All the mask stuff is great. I still don't think the opening reaches the heights of the staged news broadcast of Six, which I think was really, really fucking amazing. But I don't know. I kind of liked Henry Churny going... How are you gonna get out? And then it's just Ethan Hunt wearing a Henry Cherney mask. It's so that fucking was so funny. funny. That was really great. It was really funny. That was really funny. It's kind of funny because I actually didn't expect Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, to be under the mask there when they yes, reveal that's it. What when I was the community say. was talking about the entity, it made it seem like oh, the entity has got some guy coming into like yes, sabotage Black the meeting. Yes. 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 I Absolutely. like that. I like that. That's
0: like straight from the trailer. I remember that scene from this trailer when like someone throws up some kind of bomb in the air. It looks like they're yeah, all dead. because yeah, like nerve gas or something. Was, like like killing gas all them. Them. Like yeah. nerve gas, like kills everyone. And then it was a really big surprise when like Tom Cruise pulls off his mask. Oh, shoot. Okay, so they're not dead. They're just, you know, Yeah. out. I was like, oh, okay. I was not expecting that. That was a really cool scene from the trailer. So, yeah.
2: yeah. Also, I mentioned this when I was writing my review, but there's like a repeat from Fallout. Ethan Hunt goes, your life will always be more important to me than my own, right? And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, that goes into a double play on those words where it's also Ethan Hunt and also Tom Cruise. Ethan Hunt, it's all of his friends, Benji, Luther, Ilsa, and then in this new one, Grace, he's putting his own well-being in front of theirs. And then Tom Cruise is doing the same for us, the audience, when he puts his life on the line doing all these stunts. And I loved it when, you know, Grace is like, but you don't even know me. And then Tom Cruise slash Ethan Hunt is like, does it matter? You know, I fucking love that. Derek, you mm. think it's too on the nose? I think it's perfect. I love that stuff.
0: I mean, when you describe it like that, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's other things. It's other things. Yeah. You're
1: making the meta miss sound kind of cool when before it. Yeah. 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 yeah,
0: Some of the other meta things, not as cool. That one, okay, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I like that. I can appreciate him trying to put himself on the line for us as the audience. Sorry, I don't want to get too far away from the Haley Atwell character. You already said it when it came to the train sequence. You know, a lot of it is just like the Haley Atwell show. Like, I feel like the second half of this movie is the Haley Atwell origin story. Right? Mm-hmm. She's as much of a lead in the second half as, as, Tom, as Tom Cruise, Cruise, Cruise
2: is. is. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did kind of appreciate
0: that. This may be the first time we're ever actually getting to see like
1: someone initiated. I don't the, think like, we've seen it before. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that I didn't know about the IMF is apparently they're like the French Foreign Legion. Where like you. Re- Recruit from people who committed crimes or whatever. Like I didn't know that. it's like did the you- suicide squad or <laughs> yeah, something. Did yeah, didn't you know that? <laughs> I, I didn't know so. No. I didn't know that either. Like what this implies is everyone at the IMF previously had a history of doing something where they have to join this intelligence agency to get out of it. That's super interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that or do something more Feels with their life. It like a
2: retcon, but okay, I'll allow it. I'll it's an interesting it, little twist cool. to the, yeah, it's kind of a cool
1: twist. Um, uh, but then it
0: kind of makes sense that then so easily some of these people turn back, right, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to being the evil counterpart sometimes. But yes, that's not here or there.
1: The other thing about Hayley Atwell is just, I love all her Master Thief Ledger Domain, all the planting things on people and pickpocketing them mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and the sleight all of that hand. stuff is yeah, so yeah. good. All the sleight of hand stuff from her and from Tom Cruise is so yeah. good. Yeah. Bringing it back from the first movie. Yes, right? from Bring Mission Impossible,
2: from Impossible 1. Absolutely disappearing the floppy disk and now it's with the keys it's so fucking good it's so good
1: yeah so that stuff is really really fun too she's a super fun character from like as soon as she appears on screen she's great (laughs) i don't know if she's supposed to be the the next one i don't know but i don't think so i really like yeah
2: one funny thing that kind of bugged me is that when she dons the vanessa kirby mask for the final sequence vanessa kirby's eyes are so fucking blue it is piercing and then, you know, obviously, when you put on the Vanessa Kirby mask, Haley Atwell's got the brown eyes, right? You could immediately tell that something's off. Mm. You don't give her, like, contacts or anything? Yeah, I don't know. I guess they just didn't do it. Yeah, okay. But I feel like someone like Zola... The White Widow's brother. That's something that
1: he would have picked We'd up be like, oh, immediately. What's up with your you know? eyes? Yeah. <laughs> but I love that White Widow doubling sequence. That's super yeah, fun. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's, it, it's so, good. so fun. I wish Vanessa Kirby had more to do in general, but that sequence is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Do you know who else I wish had more to do in this? Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Thank you. I'm <laughs> yes, glad uh, we needed it. to get to this. Yes. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust is one of my favorite Characters. Oh, she's so good. an action franchise. And they kind of did her dirty in this. Dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, not I even kind of. So, she was... spoiler alert. I mean, she dies in this one. And I actually kind of liked the idea that she dies. You know, because as a character death, I don't think anything has affected me like that. Maybe ever? Because I was so upset that they killed her. I don't know, it's just movie characters. I don't really give a shit. But I love... Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust so much that when they did that, I was actually really upset. And I think it would have landed even harder if they gave her something of substance to do
1: in this movie. The movie tells you that she dies to save Grace, but that's not even really clear in the moment, right? It's It's not. It's not. It's It's not even like clear stakes. And then the other thing about it that bothers me is I didn't love that fight sequence between her and Gabriel. No, I thought it was good. I don't think it's
0: great. It doesn't yeah. look good.
1: It's a lot of twirling what? around at close oh, range. I, I don't think it, it looks good. She's got this really long sword which looks super cool, but then she's like kinda getting all close to him and kind of twirling around and it just doesn't really look that good. It doesn't look like two master assassin people trying to kill each other. Right? Like, compare Mm. that fight to, like, I'll go to a completely different action franchise. The fight between Matt Damon's Jason Bourne in that first movie in the Paris apartment. Right? The guy Mm. who bursts in. That is insane.
2: Yeah, but that's two completely different aesthetics, right? I think this is a little more heightened.
1: It is, but then, like, it's not heightened in a way, where I Like, if you're going to do the twirly kind of heightened thing, go all the way and do, like, a crouching tiger thing, right? Like, that's cool, too. That sort of heightenedness is also cool. Mm. I just thought this was too in the middle. It's a little too like we're trying to hide that the actors can't really fight. I didn't like that fight at all. To be honest, and it's unfortunate.
0: I'll compare it directly to something else in this movie, directly to something that happens five minutes before this movie, right? If you're talking oh, about the Palm like, Clementine fight
1: scene, yeah, the Palm yes, Clementine that was great.
0: Tom Cruise and the guy in the little That's hallway, right? Like, that was amazing. Agree completely. It's so compact, people are getting their heads thrown against walls, and like glass is breaking, and they're like hopping over and jumping over each other and trying to climb walls. There's something more creative and inventive. Yeah, the and little just, like source spinniness is just
1: so yeah. weightless,
0: it's so weightless, yeah. and it doesn't feel
2: creative as no. like that fight I, that's oh, a great comparison, I didn't mind Derek. it that, that much. is a great
1: one no I don't yeah. like it and the fact that they killed her with it just rubbed it rubbed salt you're talking in the about wound.
2: the parallel fight where Tom Cruise is in the alleyway
1: yeah we both loved yeah. that one yeah yeah, yeah. And we're saying, that, yeah, yeah. that yeah. one's yeah. good that
2: one's good too I didn't mind the Rebecca Ferguson Isai Morales fight I didn't mind it as much I thought it stank I'm yeah. gonna see it. I'm gonna see it again tomorrow. So I'm gonna oh nice give oh, you yeah. a, another opinion on that An update. Yeah, uh, I thought it kind of made sense because they're both similar kind of fighters. I know maybe you don't like the extra twirly stuff, but it's not gonna be Ilsa versus the Bone Doctor again. You know what I mean?
1: That's another great one too. Similar, they could have yeah, done yeah, that again. One. That was a great fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if it's like her death. Why is her death less cool than that scene? Yeah, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but that whole sequence where Tom is running to catch yeah. up, to and he's never gonna race. make it. Yeah, and it's, it's got good. like the Dutch angles and the fog, and you know, it's the weird editing and stuff. There are a lot of choices in this movie that are visually weird, but this a hundred percent worked for me. I thought it was amazing. Agree. I thought it was trying to tie it back to Brian De Palma in the first movie without being like Brian De Palma. I think it evokes the Prague sequence, you know, where Ethan Hunt is a newbie and his entire team is getting killed, right? And it's got the same European milieu and it's got the fog and it's got the disorientation and all his team is dying around him. It wants you to put him back in that headspace where he's, Desperately trying to get to Grace or Ilsa, he doesn't know if he's going to make it, and in the end, he doesn't. And I thought that was like a great callback to the first movie.
1: I actually agree with
0: all of that. I do agree with all. I of that. actually, I mean, I don't disagree. Like, I think you can interpret it that way, uh, where it calls back to that first movie. But I actually, for me, it called back more to the third movie and his run through Shanghai trying to get to his wife.
2: Mm, yeah, right? yeah, Because yeah. his wife was I think direct... visually they're different. But maybe the running, right? (laughs) Tom Cruise. Or the stakes, the stakes of it all, right? Like, it's just like one person he's
0: trying to protect, who's someone who he desperately cares about. But the thing is, I like that one more just because, like, the Julia character in that movie is much more new, much more fresh. We don't actually know her and, like, we don't have any expectations of what's going to happen to her. But, like, at no point did I really believe that Ilse Faust was going to survive this fight. Like, I felt like this movie was setting up for her to die. Oh, okay. All right. I knew when he got to the end, I was like, oh, she's going to be dead. Versus, I think, the stakes of three. I was like, oh, I actually don't know what's going to happen at this moment. because. All
2: right. As much as I say... That I like killing Elsa Faust just because of how much it hurts. They don't do that in movies that often anymore. I am very slowly being she's alive pilled. They didn't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a trick. A lot of people are pointing out that there are things that don't make sense and like what? It feels weird. It does feel they, weird. They're
0: not gonna do it twice in one movie, right? That's are what people they? are
2: saying, because like it's twice in one movie. They're saying like the first fake out is a precursor to the second fake out where it's like oh you're dead so stay dead. So now when i don't know when they do it now it seems like maybe it's for real but maybe it's also like foreshadowing that they're going to like fake her death somehow. Another thing is that this is obviously non-diegetic, right? Cuz it's just what the director and the screenwriters are saying or whatever, but someone mentions like something in this movie doesn't sit right with me. There's a big twist that i don't really like and You know, Christopher is like, you just have to wait till part two to see.
1: So I don't know what else that could be. There's no Ethan Mourning. It's not given the weight it should have. Yeah.
2: And then I think both Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie know how much people love the Ilsa character. I don't want to sound like I'm a fucking Ilsa stan or like I can't accept her death or anything like that. Because I do like that she dies in this. I think it's a good development, even though I don't know if the execution is right. I know you guys don't. Think the execution is right, and I agree with that. So I don't know. I'm thinking she might be alive. He doesn't even check his pulse. I'm gonna bring up another Fast and the Furious comparison here. Yeah, this
0: screams Gal Gadot to me. <laughs> this screams a person mm. that, as honestly, I think is a little too big now for the She's this gonna franchise. come up
2: from the Sebastopol with binoculars.
0: No, <laughs> no. no. i was thinking more like Gal Gadot in Aetherius yeah. 6, where it's just, I think she's kind of too big for this franchise now. As an actor leading the silo, she's going to be in the Bene Gesserit show. Which is great,
1: by the way. we got to watch the silo, guys. That one's really yeah. good.
0: I don't know, man. I think someone said it. I think it was you, Jeff. Elsa's out to kind of usher in... Grace Rebecca Ferguson is I think it's just the end of this relationship with her and I don't want to see her go but it just feels like this is it this is the time to let her go because they really just don't have anything for a character if they're not going to have her actually have a real solid relationship with Ethan right mm. I could see them moving forward where they both leave the spy game behind like they have a happy ending or something and maybe that's a reason to bring her back. But honestly, she has nothing really left to do in this series, I feel like. I don't know. You guys can tell me if there's anything else that you guys think she could do.
2: Yeah, I mean, they had her three movies in a row where she's pulled back into the game and everyone's gunning for her. Yeah, you know. it's like the
0: same story. Same
2: but thing. But that also means that they can do something different with her, you know? That yeah, also means that someone yeah. can do something different with her. So, I don't know. I mean... I get fake-out vibes now. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm fucking... I'm pilled on that account. I love Ilsef House also, so I hope you're right.
1: Yeah, agree. I hope you're right. I didn't get those vibes. I hope you turn out to be right on this one because I thought that was a yeah. shitty send-off to a great character.
2: Yeah. Ethan Hunt and his brunettes, man. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: I mean, it was a little bit Infested when there was like a quick flash of, I think it was like a flash of Ilsa, Michelle Monahan's Julia, and then Haley Hatwell. I was like, okay, guys, we get it. I was surprised they didn't bring back Carrie Russell's um, trainee character. All the women
2: that have just died at the hands of Ethan Hunt. Yeah, that kind of bugged me because Carrie Russell's like example number one because she died horribly. Horrible, but awesome way, though. (laughs) I will give you that death in three, because that shit is fucked up as hell. That image of her eye all fucked up from the brain explosion, I'm like, oh, that fucking haunts me. That shit is nasty. But yeah, last thing before we wrap up, top five Mission Impossible action bits. Go. (laughs) Oh, Mission Bits, like bits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like
0: sequences? Sequences, yes.
2: Oh, jeez. Okay. Five favorite, maybe not in any particular order. If you can, go Uh, from best to fifth best.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Best to last. I mean, I've already said it. Number one is Opera House, I think. Mm. I will say probably next is like the helicopter sequence to Mm. the fight on the cliff to the John Lark getting his face ripped off by a hook. Mm. That shit is awesome. I love the bathroom fight in fallout yeah that's probably some of the best hand-to-hand we've gotten in the series oh shit probably Burj Khalifa right yeah the climbing of the Burj Khalifa is amazing and then I'm not going to say this, Jeff. I'm going to leave this one up to you. I know which one you're going to bring up. But, man. uh, I'll say the drop. I'll say the drop in the CIA because I think that's just iconic, right? Iconic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. I think that's, like, the most memed or, and or, like, recognizable sequence in probably yeah. all of Mission Impossible history.
1: It's still really good. Uh, best to worst, say Burj Khalifa Opera. Mm-hmm. CIA. Let's say. Oh, Vatican. I love the Vatican in three, actually. Mm-hmm. And helicopter in six. Yeah, helicopter in okay. six. Pretty good. What are right. you, Jeff? I will say Burge,
2: Opera. Nice. Helicopter in six. Langley. I'm going to put the train in this one on there. Really? Oh, Ooh, I right fucking Jeff.
0: love. Wait, the hold train. on, Jeff. I have to question something. <laughs> you don't put the knife to the eye I anywhere. I thought you were going to say eye. the knife. I, I thought, oh, you, yeah. I it. Knife I really thought you were going to say that.
2: Alright, Dueling Motorcycles Knife to the Eye is really fucking cool. Alright, yeah. maybe I'll do that, and then Train as an honorable mention. Because I really do love the Climbing Up the Train carriages The Climbing in this Up one. the Train uh, carriages is so good. It's super cartoonish and, like, over the top, and still very scary. It still looks really scary. Edge of your seat stuff, I really fucking like that. But, yeah, the the knife-to-the-eye stuff is good. I will say the the knife-to-the-eye, like, it
0: looks really cool. And it's kind of silly when you watch it in the movie, if I remember correctly. But Mm. I think it's more just, like, the story of it is amazing, right? Like, it's really cool that, you know, it was hooked to a cable. So, like, it would just land centimeters above his eye. Like, that's a cool story. And that's why it makes that sequence so cool. So, yeah. And then, I guess, the last, last thing. Where do you slot this one, right? Exactly. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to slot this... I got to do this. I got to do this. I still think I like three more. This might be my like six favorite one. I know you guys are gonna have this one my higher. So like mine was five, six, four,
2: one, three, seven, two. Wow. The thing with this is like there's no bad entry in the series. There is. Right? There isn't. There isn't. Right. So I will go six, five, one, seven, four, two, three
1: with seven right in the middle. Yeah, mine is similar to yours, Jeff. This is somewhere in the middle. So from top to bottom, 5, 6, 1, 7, 4, 3, 2. It makes
0: sense. I think I probably like this one the least out of all of us. So it kind of makes sense I put a bit lower. I mean, like I said, I have a very soft spot for three. I think it's a little underrated. I think it's the one movie that I think gives Ethan as a character, like, really appropriate stakes, you know, rather than just it's his friends. It's like, it's his wife, right? You know? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do really like that about that movie, so. All
2: right. Well, to cap it off, I'm going to ask a hard question. John Wick 4 or Dead Reckoning Part 1?
0: <laughs> John Wick 4. Oh, wow. Not wow. hard. John Wick 4, dude. <laughs> John Wick 4 is
2: wow. amazing. Yeah, for me, it was
1: amazing.
0: Wow. That's yeah. a
1: slam dunk for you, huh? Um, That's harder for me. I liked this one, and it also made me go back and watch the other Mission Possibles, which was really fun, too. Um, yeah. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to go John Wick 4, but just by an edge, because I think... I'm assuming they hold strong and don't bring him back, in which case this is a great send-off to the character. John Wick 4 is an excellent ending, so I gotta go with that
2: one. Yeah, I think I have to go with John Wick 4. Unfortunately, I want to pick Dead Reckoning Part One, but first of all it's a part one, so you can't even compare it to apples to oranges. But I will say that John Wick 4, I kind of felt the length on that a little bit. Dead Reckoning Part One felt like it was fifteen minutes long. No this joke. was a
1: really long movie and it did not feel it.
2: It went by really nice. The
1: only time yeah. I was like wait, how long is this movie? Is after Ilsa dies. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is this the end? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it can't be the end. We have the motorcycle sequence yeah, like, yeah. coming. Yeah, There's another hour to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's the only time I, like, yeah. check my watch to be like, wait a minute, where are we in this movie? Other than that, I'm, um, yeah, Because John Wick
2: 4, by the time Scott Adkins rolls around in Turkey or whatever, I'm like, uh, feeling the length a little bit. And then it comes around in a really good way, but... The ending's yeah, fire. Mission Impossible felt no time at all. But anyway... I know we're short on time, so we got to wrap it up.
1: What about the much-vaunted motorcycle-off-the-cliff sequence? We didn't talk about that at all this entire time.
2: I loved it, but... I have been a little desensitized to it because I've seen it so much in the marketing.
1: So this is my complaint. I've seen it a million times in the marketing. So it's just, it does lose a bit of the bite having seen it a million yeah. times in the trailers. But they kind of play with that a little bit with the anticlimactic introduction, right? Yeah, really yeah, yeah, slow play him showing up on that train. So when he finally does, it's a really funny, great moment, I thought.
2: Slapstick moment where he just yes. barges through. Yeah, I, I love that. I thought that was excellent.
1: I thought they did a really good job of kind of playing with that expectation.
2: You know what else they didn't show in the marketing that helped sell that jump? When he's fucking plummeting through the air and the wind is just blasting him in the face and his cheeks are like fucking flapping in the wind and he's still delivering lines? Like, (laughs) that is real. That is absolutely real. I think the cliff CGI looks a little wonky because I know that's a ramp that they plastered CGI over, but I will also forgive that. That's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Alright.
0: Derek? I think uh, we're running pretty long here, so let's wrap it up. Jeff, where can people find more of your work?
2: You can find more of my work at strangeharbors.com, and that is also where I reviewed Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about
1: you guys? Uh, you can find me diving to the Sevastopol in a carbon fiber sub. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? All right. Anyway, Derek, where can people find you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's good. That's good to Um... <laughs> You can find
0: me at the uh, the world's okayest photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe where you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people.
2: Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, feel free to shoot us an email at, at StrangeHarbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week.
1: See you next week, everybody.
2: See you guys then.